Cool. We're in uh, uh, week two of a series that we started last week uh, called More Than Minor, and it's based off the Minor Prophets. Uh, most people, when reading the Minor Prophets, don't enjoy them. Uh, they, they, can ha- they have the perception of kind of dark books and not really fun books. And people like fun books. I'm, I'm a fun guy, so I like, um, I like fun books. I like Jesus. I like Paul. Uh, but this stuff is just as biblical and critical that we understand that God never changes. His heart never changes. And the way that his, what's happening on earth today, we've seen it before. We may see it again uh, and he has solutions to the things that's taking place in our culture and in our country and in our homes and even in our church. And I believe it's, we could find a lot of the answers from the minor prophets. And so there are 12 minor prophets. Last week, uh, we, we did a sermon on Hosea. Uh, I, I, yeah, uh, this week, I'm, I, I think this is going to be uh, really good. Last week, we talked about how the Lord really wants us to return to his heart and understanding his heart and the concept of grace. And um, this week, uh, we're, we're still following that theme. Actually, if we were to talk on any of the 12 minor prophets, they would all follow the same rhythm, the same theme. Uh, it would be to return. To return to the Lord. To return to the Lord. To return to the Lord. That's, that's every minor prophet screaming return. In fact, we're going to see this in scripture on multiple occasions here today. And what I want you to know is that Joel is actually a kind of unique book in the Bible in that he's asking us to return to the Lord, but he's not actually dealing with sin. And I think that's kind of odd. He's saying, look, there's a problem in Israel. It's pretty bad. We've been here before. Y'all need to return to the Lord, but he's not actually saying this is your problem, or this is your problem. He's only saying, this is your solution. We are going to deal with some sin issues here uh, next week and the week after, uh, as uh, I think it's crucial for the church. However, uh, this week, Joel is really trying to get us back to a place that the Lord is trying to understand what's going on. This Sermon comes, two weeks ago we talked about the armor of God and how everything is spiritual and the the attacks that are happening on our country and the division that's happening in our country and the division that's happening in churches and in amongst friends, uh, it's it's always spiritual. Uh, We're going to see that rhythm here today from the Lord. As I'm praying for our country and the things that I see that's kind of out of place, I think, God, what is the solution? He's the solution. That's it. There's, there is a, there's not a better answer than that. And uh, we're going to dive into that here today. I'm going to pray in a little bit because I, I, I found a cool prayer that I want to pray with you guys here in Scripture. We'll get there. As it opens up, he says, in all the, Joel has three parts. It's broken up into three concepts. Uh, the past, the present, and the future. He's going he's gonna to start off by saying there's a problem, and we've seen this problem before. Uh, but watch this. He says in verse one, 2, Hear this, you leaders of the people. Listen, all who live in the land. In all your history, has anything like this happened before? And I, I get a feeling right now in our country that we feel like we're in a new place in a new time where we've never seen such craziness happening in our country. I mean, from gender uh, identity to you name it, 
Uh, there's confusion in our country. There is so much discord and so much division and so much anger uh, that is happening amongst people when we talk about what's happening. Um, it feels like this has never happened before. But Joel would say, that's not true, actually. It has. I want you to tell your children about it in years to come and let your children tell their children. Pass the story down from generation to generation after the cutting locust finished eating the crops. The swarming locust took what was left. I, I'm just thinking about what's happened in our country right now, and I want you to know, kind of like when 9-11 hit, that story has been passed down. I get a sense that in a decade from now, we're going to talk about how COVID hit. And after COVID, there was this big civil unrest, uh, this, th this prejudice that was unleashed through our country. Like it was like this storm that went crazy, and people were fighting and arguing and literally rioting in the streets. And then there was this big political conflict, and all of a sudden, here comes COVID again. And now there's things going on, and it's like everywhere you turn, there's another story. Well, in Joel, he's letting them know, I want you to know, there was these locusts that came, and after these locusts came another kind of locust. And after these locusts came, there was another kind of locust. And after those locusts came, there was another kind of locust. Folks, I want you to know, it's weird. Joel is not actually talking about locusts. Um, but it's weird. He's actually being figurative. But we can't tell if he's being figurative or actually literal. Because he's talking about locusts and he's talking about an army. But he's talking about an army of locusts and a locust army. And so he's trying to be figurative. I think so he doesn't actually fill in the blanks of what you want to say this is the problem. What he wants you to know is that there's a problem coming. And the solution to that problem we've already seen as we look back through time, David handled what happened when armies marched against him. When he found out that the Philistines were at camp about to come take Israel, what he did was Hey, let's get the worship team out. Let's, don't send the army to the front line. No, no, no. Let's worship the Lord. Let's return to Jesus. And David gets crazy and he starts taking off his jacket and his tunic and it gets weird, y'all. Uh, but it became his victory rhythm. He learned how to turn to the Lord when things were crazy amongst his nation. This would happen when, when their finances got bad or when the crops got bad. The people of the Lord learned that when things were bad in the land, we turn to God. We return to the Lord. Now, what's crazy is we're talking about repentance right now. And as I was praying this week, I felt a heavy resistance to the sermon. Now, there were some, some visions that kind of came in this week about our people, our church. I'm not talking about the church down the street or the church further down the street. I'm just talking about us. Felt like there was resistance. Like our people were saying, why are we talking about repentance amongst believers? Well, as we talk about the minor prophets, all of the minor prophets were talking about repentance amongst the believers. We have a responsibility to turn to the Lord. Now, when you say, I already love the Lord, I think there's a difference between loving the Lord and being in love with God. Yeah. And that's what he's going to try to say. I want you to focus. And this is what it's going to, I'm actually going to define it for you, what it's going to look like when you turn to the Lord. And so today I'm going to set before you an opportunity of growth. Here's the cool thing about the kingdom of God. 
Jesus loves you. Uh, your salvation is free, but your discipleship will cost you everything. If you want to grow, it's on you now. Draw near to the Lord, and he will draw near to you. You determine your growth in Christ. And so there are some things that you're going to hear scripturally said. It sounds like, well, that's maybe just the pastor. So what I've done is I've brought to you today about 85 verses, literally, that I'm going to read to you guys. And I'm going to let you see, this is not me. This is the word of God. I don't want church to look like this. I want church to look like this. I don't want to fashion our church to look like the church down the street that's cooler or more awesome or whatever. They got more cooler lights. What I want to see is when we cry out, Jesus moves. And when he's, mo he's moving because we were moved first. I want to see... Mm, anyways, okay, cool. I have to stay on focus. So they're talking in verse 6 about a vast army of locusts which has invaded my land and a terrible army too numerous to count. And so as he's talking about this army, locust, locust, army, army, locust, I want you to fill in the blank of the things that's wrong in our country or the things that's wrong in your home or the things that's wrong at work because there is an enemy after you. And if you're not careful, you can figure out how to solve the problem your way. You know, I have a headache. I'll take ibuprofen. I, there's something wrong with my knee. I will do this. Something wrong at work. I'll do this. But the first response should always be to turn to the Lord. But we've gotten away from that. So the scripture says, here's what you do about this army. This is what the Israelites did long ago. This is what we're supposed to do right now. I'm going to take you there in verse 13. Are you guys with me? Yeah. Here's the solution. I need you to dress yourselves in burlap and weep, you priests. This week, I felt like you paid me to cry before Jesus. As your pastor, I felt like I need to be the one here first with my heart broken for Jesus. How many of you know you want your pastor to have his heart in love with Christ? How many of you know your pastor expects the same thing of you? We're all called to the same standard. We all have the same calling. To love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength and love our neighbor. To reach the lost as best as we can while we still have breath in our lungs. So he says, I want you to weep. Let me just ask you for a second. When was the last time you wept? There's a difference between asking God to forgive you, asking God to forgive our land, and weeping. Something happens. I want you to know, um, I have a pretty good relationship with the Lord and there are times when I'm, I'm so on fire for God, it's awesome. And there are some times where I'm not. And what I've learned is that in times in my life when I um, am not so on fire for the Lord, I don't know it. I don't, I don't recognize it. I don't know if you know this. But you don't know when you're not on fire for the Lord. You know when you are. You don't know when you're not. But what I, begins to happen in me is when I'm, when I'm not so on fire for the Lord, I start looking and solving God's problems for him. And what it does is it makes, I get shorter with people in my life. I start looking and looking at ways to correct you. Oh, I know your answer, Courtney. If you just did this, and to you guys at home, if you just did this, and Greg, oh, Greg, if you would just, and you, I get frustrated because I want to fix you. We want to fix things for God. And um, 
But what I've learned about the Lord is when I actually get close to the Lord, my heart breaks because God doesn't try to fix you. He, te- he waits for you. And he actually yearns. Instead of him getting angry, the closer I get to the Lord, there's a sadness in the Lord. I'm going to show it to you in Scripture here in a couple minutes. And it breaks my heart. And so when I'm actually doing best, I don't, when I'm on my knees, I'm praying for folks. I don't know if my prayers are changing you. I know that we have seen miracle after miracle after miracle through prayer in our church. But I know that when I'm praying for you, oftentimes, whether, I don't know whether you're being changed, but I know I am. And that's when I'm growing. When my heart breaks and I'm weeping because of brokenness, when your job is on the line or you have a health issue or your family's in crisis or your marriage is, is, is about to... And he's asking us to pray for our country and weep. And he says, you priest, he says, wail. Oof, I don't want to do that. Does anyone else not want to wail today? There are some people in here that are not very emotional. It's going to be a tough one for you. Because some of us love God with our mind. Some of us love God with our heart. Some of us love God with our strength. We love to serve. Uh, you know, and there's different ways to love God. But he's still saying, I got to get to your heart on this issue. I need you to be broken. You're going to hear this. Is this are you guys hearing this? Yeah. You got to hear, this is, this is the word of the Lord. And I don't think this is for me. I don't think this is my opinion. I do think that the minor prophets are books that we don't like to listen to because it asks maybe a little bit more of us than we want to give. But there's a blessing in it that you're going to love. All right, here we go. I got to get moving. Okay. Uh, so come spend the night in burlap. And so I don't know, last time your marriage was, was in trouble or one of your kids were in trouble or something was going on when you decided to lose a little bit of sleep in prayer. Our country's in trouble and I'm going to go to the Lord on it and I'm willing to put some more time in in this area of prayer. But some people say, but Pastor, I'm not good at prayer. You don't, you don't actually have to be good at prayer. You spend time with Jesus, and, and he'll do it through you. Uh, uh, that's another day. For there is no grain or wine to offer at the temple of your God. I want you to announce a time of fasting. Call the people together for a solemn meeting. Bring all the leaders and all the people of the land into the temple of the Lord your God. Let me just ask you real quick. I just want to know who I'm talking to. Who loves the Lord in our church? Can you raise your hand? You're a leader. I'm talking to you then. Bring all the leaders and all the people into the land, into the temple of your God, and cry out to him there. I don't know about you, but when I hear that word cry out, it sounds like he's saying, I want you to lift your voice. Do you hear that also, or is that just me? Because I don't want this to be my interpretation. And so there are times where you're going to need to lift your voice. You can yell at me if you think I'm the problem. You can yell at your wife if you think she's the problem. You can yell at your kids if you think they're the problem. You can yell at Biden if you think he's the problem. But I'm telling you right now, the solution for the locust and the army that's invading, this spiritual thing that's going on, is to lift your voice to him. Then you get your heart broken. And now, we can, now, now we're touching something. Cool. For the day of the Lord is near, the day when destruction comes from the Almighty. Did you hear that? That's not a popular doctrine, but it's a popular scripture. When the day of the Lord, when the day when, the day when destruction comes from the Almighty, 
how terrible that day will be. Let me just stop in prayer just for one second. You need to know I am an optimist at the core. Some of you don't know me that well. Let me just tell you. I am somebody that believes in the worst of people. Everyone else that's given up on that dude like four years ago, for some reason, I still think that there's something really God's going to, he's not done. It's a, I, I can see a house and I go, man, there's something special. About, I remember we went house hunting years ago and we, we looked at the worst houses. They weren't even level. And I'm like, babe, I think we can. And she's like, no, nope, nope. Let's move it on. And I, I just believe, you know, those old shirts that has a hole in it. I still see good in that shirt. My wife bought me new clothes. I don't dress like this. Y'all know she made me dress like this today. I look good only because she saw something better in me than I actually saw. Myself. So, but anyways, but I'm an optimist to the core. But when I, right now, when I pray for our country, I don't know, but I need you to know that I don't feel like this is a pessimistic. I feel like it's a burden from the Lord. I, I feel like um, the attack... It, like, like it's going to get worse. And so there's the, the optimist in me would be like, no, I think we're going to get better. And I feel like things may get worse. And so what the scripture is saying here is when, when, the, when the day of the Lord is near, the day when destruction comes from the Almighty, what a terrible day that will be. And I feel like our country has seen some dark days, but if we, this is the solution that we begin to pray or this is going to get darker. And so all prophecy is conditional. This is what the Lord's saying, and if you want to do this, you'll have this outcome. If my people who are called by my name, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray, if they'll seek my face and turn from their sin, then, and only then, will I heal their land, forgive them of their sin, and, for, uh, uh, heal, and then I will. Ah, it's in 2 Corinthians 7.14. Y'all get there. Okay, cool. Here we go. So let's pray real quick. What a terrible day it will be. Terrible day. It's a terrible day, this day of the Lord, when destruction comes from the Lord. I'm going to take you there. It's going to be cool. Let's pray. Actually, before I pray, I just want to show you a verse that I found this week. Can I just show you a verse? <laughs> Y'all thought I wasn't unspiritual. I'm always spiritual. I just, I never saw this before. I swear to God. I was like, yeah, it's cool. If you're new, I have this corny prayer that I've been doing for like 20 years. Dear Jesus, help. Amen. Amen, 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 amen. As Joel would continue here in this passage, he's actually just going to now talk about this army that's coming. There's an army coming, there's an army coming, there's an army coming, there's an army coming. Sounds terrible. Here's what you need to know. There is an army coming against you. There is an army coming against your finances. There is an army coming against your marriage. There is an army coming against your children. There is an army coming against your calling. There is an army coming against the things that God has marked good in your life. The devil hates you. He hates everything about you. And he would love nothing more than to make things as difficult as possible for you so that you get distracted fighting, this, trying to figure out this stuff rather than loving God. And so the way we solve all of the stuff that's going on in our life is we turn to the Lord first. Okay? What's happening in our country right now is division. It's discord. It's all, division is always coming from the enemy. Rather than us trying to solve the problem by us telling everyone that they're wrong, what we need to do is first turn to the Lord. We need to cry out, Lord, help us. And so now there's an army that's coming, and I believe that army, this is kind of silly, uh, some of you may think I'm saying, I think the social media that we have right now is actually a big part of the enemy that's invading. It's creating, it's, it's speeding the conversation of discord. Too fast, then we can catch it. For example, 
I can only talk to you for about 30 minutes today, but you're going to hear about 80 other messages a day between now and next Sunday. That's unfair because that wasn't the way it was for like centuries. You know what I mean? That's why Jesus gave you his Holy Spirit, so he can teach you all things and walk in all these great things. Okay, so this army is coming, and here's what I want you to know. The Lord is, in verse 11, the Lord is, at, uh, is the head of the column. He leads this army with a shout. This is his mighty army. Are you hearing this? The locust. You know, the thing that is plaguing your finances in your marriage in your home. The Lord is leading this charge. I don't like that doctrine, Pastor Tim. That doesn't sound right. I'm telling you, the Lord is not concerned about your money. He's not even really, he's so sovereign. He's not even really concerned about your health. He's not concerned about what he wants is you. And he'll do whatever it takes to get to you. This is the gospel Jesus, you came into this world with nothing. He's not afraid with you leaving with nothing. You know, you're going to leave with nothing. I don't know if you know this. He, what he wants is your heart. And so when your marriage is in chaos, he'll let it there until you turn to him. You're not going to change that person. It's never going to happen. You got to turn to Jesus. The health in your, in your body, you can go to a doctor. You're, it's like a Band-Aid on a wound. I'm not saying you, doctors aren't good. Doctors are great. Talk to Jesus first. He's the great physician. Let the Lord align your steps. Is this? Okay. So, and they follow his orders. The day of the Lord is awesome. It's a terrible thing. And who can possibly survive the destruction that's coming, that these locusts are going to bring? When the righteous people who love God are left with nothing because of what the locusts do. What if, the worst case scenario, some of you are freaking out, some of you are super far right, and some of you are super far left. You can go, whatever, destroy, everyone's thinking everything's gonna get worse. What if it does? What if everything goes terrible? What if we all lose jobs and the economy shuts down and we have no, the Lord will still provide. That's who he is. He is our provider. You can create the worst case scenario and I'm telling you, you're gonna do all right. What if I lose my house? It's okay. The Lord will be there. What if I lose everything? Then that's where you find God. The most radical people in the church today are the people that are losing everything. I've got nothing else. That's when they call on God. When marriage is at its worst. When we've lost everything, that's when we bottom out. That's when we call on God. And that's why we live a life of surrender. Because we give it up before he takes it. That's why the call is to carry the cross and deny yourself daily. This is why the... All right. Who can possibly survive this coming leadership of the Lord that may take everything you love in your life? Well, verse 12. That is why the Lord says, turn to me now. While there is time, give me your hearts. And I want you to come with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. Remember, this is the strategy of Israel. This, is, this, this book is about what happened now, what happened before, and what's going to happen. The Lord's strategy is always the same. What the Lord wants is not my money. He doesn't want your tithe. He doesn't want your tithe. Like, he wants you. 
but we're wrapped so heavily in our finances and in our time, in our schedules and all these things that he's going to do whatever he can to break it. He wants to be the head of your marriage. He wants to be in your home amongst your children. And if that means that you have to learn how to cry out, that's what it took. Turn to me now with your heart. Come fasting and weeping and mourning. And what I love about this is that Israel was set with this army coming against them or these locusts, and they didn't have like bug spray to kill the bugs. They didn't have an army that they can line up. All they had to do was say, God, you're my protection. You're the one that told us to be married. You're the one that told us to have kids. You're the one that let, you led me to this job that was such a blessing. Help me, Lord. Restore, fix me. Are you with me? I think I'm losing some folks here. Give me your hearts. I'm just curious. If you see destruction in our country, when was the last time you cried out? If you're facing hardship in your home on any level, when was the last time you cried out with your heart? Remember, this book is about repentance. It's not about sin. And so sometimes we can misplace what we value. We value all this other stuff, and they've misvalued the Lord. So he's coming after their security. And I, I think as Americans, we love security. We have secured ourselves. And so we have deadbolts and locks on our doors. We have all kinds of alarm systems and cameras and dogs and whistles and guns. And we, we love security. What happens when I can't protect my kids? What happens if I, I, I can't protect me? Well, I can protect me. All right. So then, so then the doctor comes to you with bad news. The reality is the only one that can save your soul is Jesus. We've got to figure out how to take all these other conversations and get it back to the only one that matters. So don't, don't tear off your clothing in grief, but instead, I want you to tear your hearts. What he's saying is like, you can come down here and look like you're spiritual, but what I want is for you to be broken. Now, this next verse is key, guys. Because if we're not careful, I think sometimes we, we look at the justice side of God and we go, God's, he's angry at what's going on. I, yes, n no. God's broken about what's going on. It grieves him because of how much he loves his people. It's like there's been an affair, which is why we talked about Hosea last week. He wants to move in our life, but he can't, and that hurts him. It's like a wandering child that's backslidden and left the home. It's like a marriage where it's confused and broken. He's not angry. He's hurt. And we get angry when we see situations we can't control. And this is what the Lord is going to say. He says, that's why I want you to turn to me now while there's still time. Give me your hearts, fasting, weeping, mourning. Don't tear your clothes. But give me your heart, tear your hearts instead. Return to the Lord, for he is merciful and compassionate, slow to get angry, and be filled with unfailing love. The best thing that can happen for us is we look at our nation and we're heartbroken. Now our heart looks like his. Listen, let me tell you who God is if, if you ain't figured this out yet. If he was that mad with America, he would just... He's broken. He's grieved. He's hurt. What we're doing now, well, we're literally playing God, creating human beings. Like we're cloning people. 
We're, we're, we're at an all-time crazy injustice that's happening in our country. There is so much pride and arrogance, but God is hurt. He's slow to get angry. He's quick to have compassion. And I want our hearts to be like that where we are broken. And then we'll see a move. Watch this. Who knows? He is eager to relent and not to punish us. Do you see that? Let me go back, Brian, just one, one second there. In verse 13, he is eager to relent. He's eager to stop and not punish. And who knows? Verse 14, perhaps he will give you a reprieve, sending you a blessing instead of a curse. That's what this whole thing's about is he actually wants to bless you. He doesn't want to take your finances. He doesn't want to mess things. He doesn't want to see chaos in your marriage. He just wants you to be so in love with him and know his mercy and tenderness and compassion. When you know him, like we were designed, you were designed to have a relationship with him. And when you know him, you'll understand what, 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 what should happen next in your family. It probably needs to be led with more humility, which is what Jesus did. Instead of Jesus coming and wiping us all off the planet and just zapping us, which he probably could have done, fireballs coming from his hands, you know? He, he just, he was humbled and washed our feet. Maybe the answer is us serving this city these people, our marriage, our boss, the people under us. Okay, I have to keep going. And so this is what I want you to do. Verse 15, I want you to blow a ram's horn in Jerusalem and announce a time of fasting. This is what we're doing in our church. This is why we're building an altar. We're trying to build a community of people that understand this is what we want church to look like. We want it to look like a people who is more hungry for God to move than we are willing to just sit back and have church because you're responsible for God moving in your life. Blow the ram's horn and announce a time of fasting. Call the people together for a solemn meeting. Gather all the people. I'm glad you're here, okay? Um, the elders, the children, even the babies. I want you to, this is, this is what, this is, this is, he, man, this blows my mind because he's being literal, and this sounds like, yeah, but I don't have time. You know, we're going to the beach. We got something scheduled this week. Y'all, we got to get back to church. If Jesus values church, get your butt here. And so this is what he says. He says, I'm sorry, that was maybe too blunt. No, it's not too blunt. I ain't sorry. Call the bridegroom from her quarters and the bride from her private room. And let the priest who minister in the Lord's presence stand and weep between the entry room and the temple uh, to the temple and the altar. And let us all pray. God, spare Lakeland. There are people that are dying and going to hell. You've got to move, Lord. We need you to move. It's not that they're dumb and stupid like some people would say. You, that's the wrong concept. No, God, please change. Give us your anointing. We need to see change. This is what it's supposed to sound like, guys. Or... Because if it doesn't sound like that, it sounds like we're hateful people shouting at a world because they're not like us. No. So let the priests you know, stand and, and let them pray. Don't let your special possession become an object of mockery. In verse 18, and here's, here's where everything changes. Watch this. And then, and then, then 
after we've cried. Everyone said, we've cried. Everyone say, everyone say we've cried. Then the Lord will have pity on his people and his jealousy guard the honor of his land. And the Lord will reply, look, I am sending you grain and new wine and new oil enough to satisfy your needs. You will no longer be an object of mockery among the surrounding nations. Praise God. Then many of us want to see the glory of God and God provide for me. I want to have more than enough to give to missionaries and do all these great things. Great. The problem is I can't trust you with that because I don't have your heart. Your heart is on that. So I'm going to take that from you, and then you cry out to me, now I can bless you. Now I have your attention. Some of you are praying that you'd get married. If he gives you what you're asking for, it would ruin you. Is this good? I feel like this is good. I'm sorry. So then in verse 25, it's the Lord says, I will give you back what you lost. I want that. I want that. I want that. But here's the problem. He don't want you to have that first. That's the outcome. It's not the recipe. I will give you back what you lost to the swarming locust and to the hopping locust. Um, it, 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 It was I who sent this great destroying army against you. Do you hear that? It was I that sent the army against you in the first place. We're not talking about an army or locusts. We're talking about locusts, not an army. We're talking about an army, not locusts. We're talking about whatever thing is in your life that's frustrating you so much. Here's, here's what I've learned. This is a cool, you know how like preachers do like those little cute little taglines? I found one this week. I thought it was great for you to hear. God has never changed, but he uses change to change you. Here's the problem. If you don't change, you just get angry. You look at all these things that's wrong, that's not what it was, and that frustrates you. He's trying to change you so you can change the situation. Is that good? I thought that was good. Okay, that was a little nugget for you. It was extra, it was free. Here you go. Um, Once again, you will have all the food you want, and you will praise the Lord who uh, does these miracles for you. Never again will the people be disgraced, and then you will know that I am among the people of Israel. Super cool when we build an altar and we create a people that are willing to repent. But right now we have a church that says, I'm already forgiven, why should I repent? Problem is, that's why the church is as calloused as it is because your heart is hard, not soft. You've not rendered your heart. You've not ripped your heart in two. You're not willing to be broken so you can't experience what I'm about to read you here next. Because it says then, after he has, he has ministered to you, and after you've rendered your heart, and after you've been broken, and after you've cried out for the lost and your family, and then, then I will pour out my spirit on all people. So actually, this is in the book of, of Joel here, right? But remember I told you this was a history story. This was a now story and a future story. This is the same thing that Peter prophesied in the upper room. After they all got on their face and cried out for God's presence, and they said, God, if you don't come... The crick, you know, it's the, we're in trouble. This is bad. If you don't move, we're in trouble. They, they got their face on the ground. They cried out to the Lord. And then he poured out his spirit. We want to see God move in our church, don't we? Yeah. 
Man, it's so cool when God moves. It's one of my favorite things in the world when there's restoration in the altar. I love it so much when the altar is christened with tears. I think nothing moves God more than this. When our hearts are all his, when all of our attention is on his, because if we're not careful, our prayers can be kind of lazy. And our, when we ask for forgiveness, it sounds like, hey, God, would you forgive me? It doesn't sound like, God, I need you to change me. I'm not like you. I'm like me. And that's a problem because I was born again. And I need to be less of Tim Broughton and more like Jesus Christ. Okay, so this is how we're closing this thing. Rachel, would you come? He says, in the last days, after you've repented, after you've repented, then I'll pour out my spirit. Many of us are wondering, where is the glory in the church? It's right here. Come on down, y'all. The altars are open. Always open. The move of God is not the church. It's the people. It's us. It's right here. When you're broken, God moves on you. We die, he lives. That's, that's it. That's the recipe for the Lord. He is alive when we're at the end of our rope. And as long as we're operating in our strength and in our wisdom, his hands off. I want nothing more than to see God move. I love when, I, when we pray for people and we see bones healed back together. I love nothing more than when we pray for a sick baby or someone who's sick or someone who's barren in our church and we see God heal that womb. I love nothing more than when a marriage is about to say, I'm done, there's nothing left, it's dead, and we begin to pray and call on God and we see that restoration, it's beautiful. Jesus is alive, period. We want to see Jesus' hand in our church. Otherwise, this is a great suggestion and it's a cool book and it's a good idea, but he's alive. He wants to pour his spirit out. He wants to heal. He wants to bless. There are people here right now, I believe I'm saying this by the unction of the Lord, there are new businesses that are going to be created here right now. He wants to give dreams and visions. What God says is when he pours his spirit out, you'll know it because you'll start dreaming again. For some of you, the dreams have died. There's no life because you don't know your God-given potential. You can't see what God wants to do in and through your life because you've stopped crying out. And when he pours his spirit out, now you start saying, you know what God can do? You know what I think I can do for Jesus? You know what I believe God wants to do in my life? And you start dreaming. And he says it right here. I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters, they'll prophesy. If you ask Melissa what's going on in kids' church, she'll tell you. This is going on over there because these kids have figured it out, Jack. Some of our kids are way more on fire than Jesus, than, than, than us. Can I get an amen, Melissa? I'd love for you to go over and see it. You just got to get a background check and get permission from Miss Melissa. <laughs> amen? All right, cool. Uh, and then he says, your old men will dream dreams and your young men will see visions. This isn't for long ago. This is for us right here today. I want you to dream. I want you to see your God-given potential to impact a dying world. What we can do is yell at them or we can let our hearts break and let God pour his spirit out and then stuff starts happening.